So if you could see, the script is a little small there, but it's, it, the title of my message, and that's important, is One Outstanding Life. And it's kind of a little bit of a play on the first word. It's, it's W-O-N. Uh, the word O-N-E, one, number one, and the word one sound alike. So that's why I just kind of have a little bit of a play on words there. So I want to talk to you about one of the most outstanding followers of, of Jesus Christ. This guy was like head and shoulders above so many others, even though he may have been shorter than everybody else. But uh, he had an incredible conversion story uh, that makes him one to Christ, one outstanding life. He, he was a man of God that excelled no matter what kind of hat was put upon him, whether he was a missionary, whether he was a church planter, whether he was a miracle worker, evangelist, and, and he did it all, and he did it with such great excellence. He was tenacious in his zeal to both proclaim and defend the gospel of grace. And I want to emphasize the gospel of grace. He would sometimes write something like this, according to my gospel. And it would always be understood as the gospel of grace. This guy could not be stopped. He could not be slowed down. In fact, imprisonment didn't stop him. Persecution, torture could not, could not stop him. In fact, I would even go so far as to say that death did not even stop him. Uh, not only because we read his words uh, today, but because on this one occasion, his enemies thought that they had succeeded in silencing him. And they beat him so badly that they dragged him outside of the city and they left him for dead, as if to say, to make this statement, not in our city. And uh, his friends gathered around him while he laid there on the ground. And the Bible says, and I presume that they prayed, but, but, but the Bible says immediately he stood up. And guess what he did? He went right back into that city. I guess he had a statement of his own to make. So here's my question. What was it that made this man's life so outstanding? What, what made him such a, a powerful messenger of the gospel of grace? It wasn't his eloquence. It wasn't his charismatic personality. It wasn't his, his physical appearance. In fact, none of those things contributed to him becoming one outstanding life. I believe that his message of grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, became the cornerstone of Christianity. He was a staunch defender of the gospel of grace. And you know, if it wasn't for this guy, seriously, if it wasn't for him, then the power of the cross would have been depleted and, and the power of the cross would have been muddled because of religious activity that would have come into the church. But he was a staunch defender of the gospel. He, he wasn't one of the 12, you know, and uh, even though he wasn't one of the 12, you, you know what it basically says? It says that his pursuit of the knowledge of Christ was so passionate. And you know, you know what? That, that encourages me because it tells me even though I was born in a way far different century than the first century, that I am not at a disadvantage to coming to know and experience Jesus Christ in a personal way. So again, here's the question. What was the secret sauce that made this guy's life so outstanding? What were the components or the, or the ingredients that, that, that made him such an amazing disciple and follower of Jesus Christ? Now, as we get into this, you, you might say, wait a minute, th this guy raised the bar so high, you know, I can't relate to, to, to someone like that. I mean, 
you know, how, how can we ordinary people accomplish anything as, as, as great as what he's accomplished because he's raised the bar this high? No, you don't get it. His life doesn't tell us that we can't accomplish much. His life, in fact, encourages us to become the best version of ourselves because of the ingredients and the components that we find in his life, that secret sauce. He not only revealed grace by preaching grace, but I believe he was the quintessential example of what grace is in his person and how that he had received the grace of God. And you know what it tells us? It tells us that, that, that when God gets a hold of a man or a woman, even the staunchest enemies of God can become transformed and become the most loyal and powerful followers of Jesus Christ. His life before Christ, in his own words, he says that he was a violent blasphemer. What he did was he hated the, the idea that a, a carpenter from Nazareth would be proclaimed as, a, as, as the Messiah and that he was crucified. He hated that message. And he did everything to try to stop it. He, he took believers out of their homes. He put them in prison. He confiscated their goods. He presided over their execution. This, is, this, this, this message in his life is a message that if God can get a hold of somebody like this and turn him around and use him for God's glory, then there's nobody outside of the mercy of God or the power of God to transform a life. He's a message to both Jew and Gentiles that God can do anything in the life of people who are broken and people who are, who are, who are out of sorts. I want you to know that in, in this message that we're, we're sharing this morning, uh, here at Living Word, we, we, we believe that our lives are to be centered around Jesus Christ by making much of him, okay? And this guy did this with, with par excellence, he wrote 14 out of the 28 books of the Bible. Now, 14 out of 28, you say, well, that's half. That's half in number, but it's more like two-thirds in volume. So here's the first component. Of all that he wrote, of all that we have, of, of the things that he revealed about Christ, he never once bragged or boasted that he loved the Lord. But he gloried and he rejoiced in the fact that Jesus had loved him in a personal way. This was the driving force in his life. He delighted in the love of Jesus Christ. No matter how difficult life became for him, and it became real hard. I mean, he knew what suffering was. But nevertheless, he was never moved from this simple fact, Galatians 2.20. It says, Christ loved me and gave himself for me. Could you put your name in that? Could you say Christ has loved me and has given himself for me? If you will believe and you will receive the love of God today, you can place your name in that sentence. Let me just kind of give you a disclaimer, okay? I've, I've kind of hinted at it so far by the fact that I haven't mentioned who this is. And even though I haven't mentioned who he is, probably the majority of you already know that I'm talking about Paul the Apostle. Paul called himself a love slave, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And the reason why I haven't mentioned him this far is because I want you to know I am not, I am not boasting in human flesh. He would be the first one to say, do not brag about me. He would be the first one to say, the only thing that I 
glory in is in the cross of Jesus Christ by which I've been crucified unto the world and the world unto me. He said we are the circumcision. We worship God in the spirit. We have no confidence in ourselves in the flesh, but our confidence is in the man, Christ Jesus. So this message, listen to me carefully, this message is more about the one who takes sinners and transforms them into saints. This is what Jesus can do in the life of a of a person who surrenders their heart to him. Paul's passion was to honor Jesus Christ with his life and to give him the glory in all that he did. I want you to uh, listen to a story that uh, I, had to, I had to comb through the recesses of my mind, get past the cobwebs, you know. Uh, something that happened to me about, all, it was more than 40 years ago, before I was actually... Uh, in the ministry, uh, it happened in a small church in Comac, and uh, there was this lady, uh, a woman, who came from Las Vegas, and she was going from from church to church, city to city, on her own dime, and and wherever uh, th- there would be an opening for her to share her story, that, that that's what she was all about. Uh, she had a, an amazing story. She had been demonized. I mean, full of demons. She had been addicted to heroin, alcohol all kinds of drugs. Uh, She was a prostitute, and she had tried to take her life on several occasions because of the the, the miserable life that she was experiencing. On this one particular occasion, she said, I'm I'm not going to fail this time. I'm going to take my life. And in the cheap motel room, she was listening to the TV. The TV was turned up real loud, and, 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 and there was this program on called the 700 Club. And it was a woman who was telling her story, which was, which was ironically similar to her own story. And she listened. And she listened. And somehow what she described it was, it was as though God reached into her heart and began to just squeeze her heart. She dropped to her knees and she began to pray. She said, Jesus, if you are real, change my life. Come into my life. Forgive me. And you know what? Instantly, she was set free from demons, from alcoholism, from drug addiction, from prostitution. And, 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 and this is what she was doing. She was going around out of gratitude, telling her story wherever someone would listen. But that's not the most amazing part to me. I mean, that, that is amazing. But, but, but what surprised me, what surprised everybody in this small little church was that when she finished telling her story, she began to sing. And, and it was without music, and, and nobody really was expecting it. She hadn't told anybody that this is what she was going to do. And she began to sing. And, and, and this, is what, this is what she sang. She says, how can I say thanks for the things that you've done for me, things so undeserved that you gave to prove your love for me? The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and all that I hope to be, I owe it all to you, to God be the glory for the things that he has done. By his blood, he has saved me. By his power, he has raised me. To God be the glory. That was the first time I ever heard that song. And you know what? That was a woman just as much as Saul of of Tarsus on that road to Damascus was won by Jesus Christ, by an intervention that can only be explained, excuse me, by, by grace. Let me just take a little sip of this. 
Paul the Apostle never forgot the depths from which and the pit from which he was dug. And I, I, I think if Paul knew that song, he probably would have sang the same song because he was all about giving glory to Jesus. Why? Because it was the love of Christ that constrained him to do the things that he did or compelled him. That was the driving force of his life, the love of God. And I hope, I hope that you've come to know the love of God that is in Christ. So secret source number two. And I want us to look at a portion of Scripture from uh, the book of Acts for just a minute. Let me just give you a little bit of a background. So Paul establishes this church in, in Ephesus. And uh, historians say that it was one of the, the greatest churches in the first century. There were literally thousands and thousands of people that were associated with this church. And Paul is now en route to Jerusalem. He, he, he calls for the elders, sends the message. Uh, he wants to meet them while, while Paul is, is, uh, is, his ship is in dock and before he sails on to Jerusalem. And so he, he gathers them together. There, there's the elders there of uh, the church that he had established. And uh, he had a word of encouragement for them. And, and, and I love some of the things that Paul said. He said, he said I want to commend you to God. In other words, I put you in God's hands. And I commend you to the word of his, listen, grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance in Christ. Can I tell you, one of the reasons why this place is called Living Word is because we put a value upon the word of God, both the written word and Jesus who is the living word. Hide his word in your heart. Search the word, study the word, meditate in the word, memorize the word of God because it will literally transform your life. He also gave them warnings. He said, listen, there, there are going to be vicious wolves that will come in among the flock of God and they won't spare the flock of God. But he says, but, but even among your own selves, there will arise teachers who will draw away disciples to themselves. And so beware be of that as well. But, but, but here's the scene. I want to end with the scene and then go back to what Paul said. And, and this is so touching. This, this, is, this grace can, can actually transform race relationships. Here, here is Paul, a Jewish rabbi Christian, right, or, or believer. And, and, and here are these Gentiles. And, and here's the scene. that They're kneeling on the ground. And again, I would kneel down if I could get up again. But, but, but they're kneeling on the ground. They're hugging one another. They're embracing one another. And, and the, the, the elders of Ephesus begin to weep. And the reason why they weep is because Paul says, I know that you'll never see my face again. That's how much they were impacted by this man's life. And so we pick up it in verse 20, 22 rather, uh, Acts 20, verse 22. This is Paul speaking, and this is what he says. And see, now I go bound in spirits. Let me, let, me, let me just say this. See if you can pick up this next secret sauce ingredient. And see, now I go bound in the spirit, that is the human spirit, I'm being compelled to go to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will befall me, except that the Holy Spirit testifies or witnesses or tells me that in every city, saying that chains, imprisonment, and suffering, persecution, await me. But none of these things move me. Listen, this is not hyperbole. This is, this is not spin. I mean, th this guy had more experience with suffering than any other person that I know of in the New Testament. He is, he is saying, I am not moved by any of these 
things concerning my future and what it might look like. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. I don't count my life precious to me so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the grace of God or the gospel of the grace of God. Paul felt compelled in his spirit to visit Jerusalem, knowing that the people in Jerusalem had put a contract out on his life, knowing that he was going to experience pain and suffering if he went to Jerusalem, but he felt compelled that he had to go. And, and listen, there were 40 men who took an oath that they would not eat or drink until they killed the Apostle Paul. He's honestly saying, look, I'm not sure exactly what God has in store for me, but, 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 but I know this, that there is pain in my future. But I'm not moved by what will happen to me for this reason. Here's this consistent component in this man's life that made him so outstanding. He was selfless. He was unselfish in his, in his approach. He, he laid, for, for Paul, for him to say, for me to live is to live in the service of Christ. To die is gain. But to live is to live in the service. In other words, he discovered what Jesus said in the gospel when Jesus said, whoever will lose his life will find it, but whoever will seek to, to gain his life will lose it. And Paul was selfless in his passion for Jesus Christ. When, when my wife and I were in Chicago a few weeks ago, we were taking care of uh, their, our, four grand, our four grandkids and a dog. And uh, it was tough for like 10 days. But... Uh, uh, the, the little guy, Cal, was so cute. He's like 18 months old. I, I wish I had a picture of him. But uh, he was so cute, you know, but he could also be a little naughty, you know. Uh, at that age, you know, you're beginning to get into those terrible twos, you know. So, so uh, I, I would say to him something like, Cal, it's, it's time to change your diaper. And I loved, he had, he had one word that he said all the time, and it was the word no. And he said, no, the way he said it, just so cute, right? And I said, you know, Cal, it's, it's time to go to bed. And he would say, no. Uh, Cal, it's time to take a bath. No. You know, just, just so adorable. You want to pinch his little cheeks, you know. Uh, but but he, 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 here's the thing. We're having, we're having lunch, right? Uh, and uh, he's, he's just about finishing up on his meal. He was uh, on his tray, on his high chair. He had uh, cut up grapes and cheese. You know, a nice little snack there that he was having. And his brother comes alongside and sits down at the table with a bowl of, of leftover Chinese food that smelled so yummy, and Cal pointed, as if, as if he was like with the force, was, was drawing the bowl to himself. You know, and so he's pointing to, and we know what he wants, eh, eh, you know, and he's grunting, and he doesn't have the, the words to articulate what he wants, but you know what he wants. And we said, no, <laughs> because he had a peanut allergy. He couldn't have any of that, but he didn't want any of that. And he didn't want any of the grapes anymore. So the grapes started going this way and the cheese started going that way. And I turned to my wife and I said, honey, that is, is fallen human nature. From the time that we are infants, we want what we want and we want most of the time what's bad for us. And so, <laughs> and so you, you need to understand that when Paul I mean, th th selfishness is what, is what is written all over human nature. 
the fallen human nature. It exerts itself. It's all about number one. It's all about being self-centered. And for Paul to come to a place where none of these things move him because his own life was not precious to him, but rather it was precious to God. You know, there, there, there's an article I read. Well, let me, let me, let me just uh, tell you about this article. Uh, the Maztec Indians of Southwest Mexico, not Aztec, Maztec, they're, they're, they're there now. And uh, the, the, these folks do not practice generosity. Uh, they do not practice hospitality. Not that they don't have anything to share. It's just that they believe that there is a limited amount of good. And that even if they wished you well or love, they felt that that would be depleting themselves from that limited amount of good that's available to them. And, and what is that? You know what? I got, I got news for you. The, the Mastic Indians are not the only ones who are selfish. This is written all over human nature. And the reason why Paul could honestly say, none of these things move me, is because Jesus Christ didn't come and die for us just so that we might be saved from hell. That's wonderful. But Jesus Christ came and he died for us to save us, listen, from ourselves, from selfishness. He came to, to save us from a fallen nature and to transform our nature so that we would become partakers with his own nature. And the truth is that the giving of our life to Christ is not loss, but it's absolutely gain because grace flips our value system right side up. And Paul was able to value this present life as being momentary compared to the eternal life that God has promised us. And you know what? When, when we put it side by side, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer to give of ourselves to Christ for this very purpose. This was Paul's ambition, and it was to live for Christ. So secret sauce number three. Why was Paul such a an outstanding uh, life for, for Jesus Christ. And I believe it's this little word called grace. I think that's one of the reasons why he was the, he was the champion of grace. He, 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 was, he was the one who expounded more about grace than any of the other apostles. He valued it so highly. And I want to say this about grace. Grace isn't just something that we need to enter the kingdom of heaven. Grace is something that we need to function Every day, based upon the conditions that we find ourselves in, God gives more grace. You know, it's like, it's like the divine energy of God that enables us. And I want you to see in context what Paul thought about grace and how we should likewise think about grace. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9 says, For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his grace on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. Another translation says, I am what I am by the grace of God. It was God's grace that transformed him. It was God's grace that, that motivated Paul, that compelled Paul to become the servant, bond slave of Jesus Christ. You know, I've never been happy. 
with the with the textbook uh, definition of what grace is, you know, unmerited favor, uh, undeserved kindness, you know, uh, it, it's what we what we ill deserve that we receive. None of that is satisfactory. In fact, I don't I don't think there are words sufficient enough in any language to describe the wonder, uh, the, the the amazing grace that God lavishes upon us. Remember, remember De- Dennis the Menace. Uh, did, did Doug step out, sweetheart? Okay, I'm, I'm glad I'm going to say. You know, some of the stories that Doug has told about his childhood, you know, I, I think they probably said, here, here, comes, here comes Doug the Menace, you know. Uh, so don't tell him I said that, all right, because he's not here. But, but uh, De- Dennis the Menace, right, uh, him and his friend Joey, they're, they're, they're coming back from Mrs. Olson's house, and both of them have hands full of chocolate chip cookies, and Joey says to Dennis, what do you think we did to deserve all these cookies? And Dennis says, says, Joey, we didn't do anything to deserve these cookies. Mrs. Olson didn't give us these cookies because we deserve it. She gave it to us because she's nice. I got to tell you, that's what grace is. God gives us cookies, not because we're wonderful, but because he's wonderful. God lavishes his kindness upon us. God did not spare his own son, but freely delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God is not stingy. God's not withholding anything that is good from us. He wants the very best for us. Sometimes that has to be an issue of faith and trust, that we step out and trust in the character of God. I want you to think about this with me for a minute. Grace is like the manna that came down from heaven or the bread that came down from heaven that, that nursed the children of Israel in the wilderness. They, they couldn't save it up. They couldn't, you know, hoard it up or, or gather a few days' supply. No, because, because grace for us is something that we need sometimes day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour, depending upon our circumstances. And you know what? The Bible says that God gives grace unto the humble. And when we humble ourselves before God, God will give us that divine energy, that divine enablement to see us through any situation that we may find ourselves in. John the Baptist said, I must decrease. In fact, we sang that this morning. I must be less and he must be more. John the Baptist said it, but Paul the Apostle lived it. John, John said it, but, but Paul modeled what that looks like for us. And one of the ingredients is not only reveling in the love of God, but it's also, it's also laying down our lives for Christ, being unselfish. In uh, 1519, uh, Cortez landed in a place called Veracruz. It's what it's called today in Mexico. There were two previous expeditions sent by the king of Spain to establish a settlement in Mexico, and they, they failed to do so. Cortez came with a commitment that he was going to succeed. One of the things that he did to make sure that his men were on the same page as him is that he set fire to the fleet of 11 ships. 
so that there was now no way of going back. There was no retreat. He had to go forward. And historians say that that is one of the reasons why he was successful. And with 110 sailors and 53 soldiers for king and country, he, he, he conquered a nation. Imagine what, what we could do if, if retreat was not in our vocabulary. Imagine what we could do if when life got hard, we refused to give up or we refused to turn back. That was the Apostle Paul. Listen to what he said. He said, he said forgetting those things which are behind. He burned him, his bridges behind him just as Cortez burned the ships behind him. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God that is in Christ Jesus. That is something, beloved, that we could do as well in devoting ourselves in commitment to Christ. And you know what? Paul may have been thought of as being nuts, crazy, because of his zeal for Christ. In fact, in fact, he was mistrusted by even believers when he first came to confess that they didn't trust him. Uh, the Jews thought he was crazy, didn't trust him. Uh, even even uh, a guy by the name of Festus said, Paul, I think that too much learning has made you nuts. And you know what? Sometimes we may look like we're nuts to the world because they don't understand that. But uh, let me read and put this in perspective. A.W. Tozer wrote this. He said, a real follower of Christ believes he's supremely loved by one whom he has never seen, talks daily to someone he cannot see, expects to go to heaven on the virtue of another, empties himself in order to be full, admits he is wrong so that he can be declared right, goes down in order to get up, is strongest when he's weakest, richest when he's poorest. He dies so he can live, forsakes in order to have, gives away so he can keep, sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, and knows that which surpasses knowledge. That's the paradox of this life that we call the life of faith, which grace has turned and flipped everything on its head. Grace teaches us that we're all debtors to the one who supplies grace. And there's only one who supplies grace. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And we, says John, have received of his grace, grace heaped upon grace, piles and piles of grace. So let me just kind of reiterate in closing this morning. This message is not primarily about Paul, but this message is primarily about the one who transforms Paul and transforms you and I. Ultimately, what we are is we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. It's, it's he who begins this work in us, and he will bring that to completion. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here this morning, what are you doing here? I ask, what are you doing here? Because I believe that you're, what you're doing here is that you're being drawn by God. God wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus Christ wants to save you. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to come into your life and transform your life and make your life whole. If you'll do that in just a couple of minutes, I want to give you that opportunity. If you are a follower of Jesus, 
And something that I'm saying this morning is maybe ringing your bell or, 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 or hitting on something that, is, that you've even been thinking about, maybe even this morning or this week. You know, so, sometimes I, I, in my smartphone, I, I notice this little one next to, like, settings. And, I, and when you go to open it up and you find out that there's a software update and, and you can, you know, download a software. I just want to suggest to you this morning that, that maybe what we need is a fresh download, an update of uh, an infusion of the love of God, of the grace of God, and of this willingness to be unselfish. So let's just kind of, you know, r- recap this morning. And I want to pray for you as well. Number one, delight yourself in God's love. Rest in his love. Keep yourself, says Jude, in the love of God. And if you will keep yourself in the love of God, you will not stumble. You will not fall. Read the last few verses of Romans chapter 8. Paul says that there's nothing in all of creation that can ever separate us from the love of God. Yea, in all these things, we will be more than conquerors through him who loved us. Number two, choose to live unselfishly. Because we judge thus, Christ died for us so that we would no longer live for ourselves, but live for him who died for us. Again, I want to tell you, Jesus didn't die just to save us from hell. He died to save us from ourselves. Number three, grace. Value grace. Love grace. Become become a grace giver. Become a, a cultivator of grace. Search through the scriptures where where the word grace is found, and discover the, the, the depth and the height and the breadth and the length of this amazing gift that God's lavished upon us. And you too will be able to say, I am what I am by the grace of God. And it was all his kindness toward me. You have these ingredients in your life and, and add these ingredients in your life and you will most certainly be one outstanding life. Let's pray. If you'd like to become a follower of Jesus with an open heart, would you pray something like this? Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. I believe that you died in my place as my substitute. I believe that you defeated death so that I could have eternal life. And by faith, I receive you this morning as Lord and Savior. Save me, heal me, fill me with grace. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. For those of you this morning that you just need that fresh infusion of passion and love and grace. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning that you would indeed show yourself strong on our behalf. Would you fill us afresh with grace? Fill us afresh with the love of of God that's poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who cascades this surpassing knowledge of the love that we have in a personal way, that we could say, we could put our name in that spot and say, Christ has loved me and has given himself for me. So, Father, I just bless your people this morning. As we would draw near to you, you draw near to us. And so, Lord, just embrace us this morning with your presence. 